This podcast is supported by Understood Explains. As parents, we are often having to figure out things as we go, and that is very true for our children's education. And to help you out, I want to tell you about a podcast called Understood Explains. This season is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Uliana Ortube, and she discusses all the things you'd want to know about individual education plans, or IEPs, what they are, why they're needed, who benefits from them, and what to expect when you have meetings with teachers. I could have really used this podcast when my son had an IEP for speech when he was six. I was overwhelmed trying to understand the process and what everything meant. The episode on Understood Explains, Does My Child Need an IEP?, was the kind of info that would have really helped me get the most out of the educational support of the IEP for my son. And if you need that kind of support, I really recommend this podcast. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. Welcome to Mom and Mine, a podcast about maternal mental health from conception to pregnancy and postpartum. Real stories from moms and family members who have made it from struggling to wellness and interviews with experts and advocates who work for moms and families to get the help they need. We discuss very real struggles that can sometimes be hard to hear, but these are stories that need to be told so that moms and families can know that healing is possible. This podcast is meant to offer information and awareness and is not a replacement for treatment by a professional. Thank you for being with us today. Hi, and welcome back to Mom and Mind. I'm your host, Dr. Kat. On today's episode, we're talking with Lindsay Lipton-Gerst, who shared her story about the difficulty she experienced after the birth of her son in a new documentary called When the Bell Breaks, a documentary about postpartum depression. I was able to see this documentary when it screened and can attest to the power and necessity of this film. If you've been listening to the podcast and hearing stories from other mothers, you may be seeing that pregnancy and postpartum mood changes happen to a lot of women. And hearing their stories, their experiences is so important so that we can really have a heartfelt understanding of moms during this time. I'm really honored to have Lindsay here to share her story with us. Lindsay was born and raised in Miami, Florida. In 1997, she graduated with a BA from the University of Miami, where she majored in communication and sociology. Because of her love of music and the arts, in 1997, she began her career in Los Angeles at Airwave Records. In 1999, she worked at MCA Records, and in 2003, she worked as a music manager at the firm. Lindsay had the pleasure of working with, managing, and doing PR for some of the biggest artists in the music industry. In 2007, she stepped back from the music industry to begin her beautiful family. It was at this stage in her life that she came face-to-face with postpartum depression. She has now committed herself to raising awareness for PPD, its many faces, and the path to a healthy life and family. Her commitment to PPD has included working on the important documentary, When the Bow Breaks, a documentary about postpartum depression, as well as fundraising, producing and telling her story, along with helping other women to tell their story. This effort has become her passion. Welcome, Lindsay. Thanks for being with us today. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm really, really honored and excited to talk with you today. As I said in the intro, I was able to see the film when it screened and really see what went on for you and the powerful experience that you had and some of the healing that you had. So I'd love to start with that. What happened for you? Tell us a little bit about your story. Well, first, I like to say that I had a history of depression, OCD, and anxiety 
all growing up, I think my OCD started when I was six years old. Mm-hmm. And when I got married, my husband asked me how many children I wanted. And I said, I want to have one and see how it goes. Because yeah. I kind of knew <laughs> that I was at risk for postpartum depression. I heard about it before. I didn't know much about it, but I knew that I was a good candidate for it. Okay. So I had been on medication since I was a child, and I was steady on a medication called Zoloft since I was 19 years old. When I found out I was pregnant, I started seeing a new psychologist that specialized in pregnancy and postpartum depression. Oh. And she you know, knew I was stable on the medication and was watching me. Mm-hmm. However... When I got pregnant and was further along into my pregnancy, I started getting very, very anxious Mm. and my OCD became out of control. And it was so bad to the point where I didn't want to have the baby. I was obsessing every second about the baby. Mm. If I didn't feel the baby move inside my stomach for a minute, I would eat a bunch of sugar. And then if I still didn't feel him move, then I would go to the hospital to get an emergency ultrasound. That's how bad my anxiety was. I would sit there and just obsess all day long. So I pretty much knew that I was going to be in trouble. However, I, you know, was hoping that being on medication and having a psychologist and psychiatrist watch me throughout my pregnancy, I'd be, you know, at least I would know what to do once the baby arrived and if postpartum depression hit me. Right. So in terms of like some of the things that moms experience, you had some knowledge beforehand where a lot of moms don't. So you had the upper hand on that and you were, be, you were being proactive, but it sounds it like at that point that the experience was super intense. Yeah, but I thought I knew more than I knew. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know anything about postpartum depression besides you being depressed after you have the baby. I didn't know the different kinds and the different uh-huh. forms and what goes on in your head and the intrusive thoughts and all mm-hmm. of that. So I was prepared in a way that I knew I could get depressed after I had the baby, but I didn't know the extent of that and, you know, the overwhelmingness of it after. So what did happen towards the end of your pregnancy and then birth and after birth? Yeah. So I was so anxious about the birth of my son that I decided to be induced. So I knew exactly when he was coming and I could prepare. My OBGYN knew that I had a history of depression and did not say this was a bad idea. Mm. So we scheduled me to be induced two days before my son was due and they did a lot of Pitocin and a lot of epidural. And I think it was about 38 hours into being in the hospital and nothing happening and being on Pitocin and just crying and (laughs) wondering why no one was just telling me to have a C-section that, you know, finally he was ready to come out. And I had about six hours of painful pushing because the, he was stuck under my pubic bone. (laughs) So they kept giving me pain medication because the epidural, they had to take off the epidural so I can feel myself pushing because I didn't feel anything with the epidural. And so the pain medication stopped working after 10 minutes each time. So six hours of pain medication, basically my son, my son came out and he was just, you know, drugged out of his mind and Mm. you know the experience from second one was a nightmare wow wow so right I mean you're already feeling anxious and then you're in this environment was anybody coaching you through this giving you any like helping you at all 
My mother and my husband were in the room and I think my mom was anxious. So she was sewing and my husband, you know, was just kind of there for me and supportive and holding my hand. And I had this wonderful nurse there and I wish I remember her name that would come in and give me massages and be there for me. My doctor, however, was not present. And, you know, I think I was more on her time and her, between her appointments of when this baby was actually going to come. Oh, and she ended up not delivering my baby. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so with, you know, an episiotomy and everything, he came out with the head doctor of the company who was the only one that knew how to do the episiotomy and forceps. He also had to have forceps. Oh. And I opened my eyes to a room full of students okay like yeah med students med students watching the forceps and the episiotomy and someone's filming and someone I mean it it was just like this crazy experience and I was drugged and my son was drugged and as soon as he came out they called code blue on him because he was so stoned out of his mind they didn't know if he was but he didn't cry so so I'm sitting there and I had no idea what was going on and there goes the beginning of this craziness. <laughs> wow. Wow. What a launch into uh, such motherhood. A- yeah. Motherhood. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so just to further along, I was okay for the first two days in the hospital and I was very tired, but you know, they took Hunter, my son to get some rest in the, what is it called? In the NICU or? The, yeah. In the, in, in, the, nursery? in the nursery, they took Hunter to go get some rest in the nursery while I could get rest. And then they would bring him in and I was breastfeed and I would give him love and I was happy and everyone was coming to visit and it was busy. And then on the third day, we went home and we were still excited and my mom was there and my dad was there and my husband was there and the Hunter was doing great and he was latching on and he was feeding. And the first night, we didn't sleep. And the second day I was sitting on the couch holding him and I was so tired and something inside my brain literally shifted and it was like a click. And I looked at my mom and I was just like, it's happened. I'm gone, mom. I'm gone. I have postpartum depression. And from there I lived in this nightmare. Oh my gosh. So it came on for you really hard and very quickly. Yeah. And, you, and, and, and as much as you can prepare for it, you know, knowing it with the history and knowing that I had the possibility of it, you can't prepare for that pain, the, the physical and mental pain of it. You just can't prepare for it. And it, it's this overwhelming just sadness that just takes over. And when you're in it, you don't know when it's going to end. You hear that you're going to come out of it and that, you know, you can get better, but you're in it and it's so painful right. and, and you don't know when it's going to be over or, or when you're going to get better. And it's just yeah. every second is, is kind of like, you know, a year. So, you know, you had sort of multiple factors that made this very intense with um, kind of what you were experiencing during pregnancy, then the birth experience itself. Yeah. And then after the birth, what you just described, you know, maybe some other factors too. I'm not sure our lives are so complicated that, you know, if there are certainly were other stressors at the time, but certainly you don't need to have anything other than what you experienced to feel terrible. Right. So what happened after you kind of had that feeling or that switch? I wanted to get help right away. So I called my doctor and found out that the doctor I was seeing retired. Oh boy. 
And so I had to rush to the person that was taking over for her. So I wasn't able to interview anybody or, you know, so that was really hard because I was holding on to like the hope of, you know, her helping me. And so I ran over to this doctor. I got an emergency appointment and he said, obviously the medication you're taking stopped working, you know, through the hormones and after you had the baby and we're going to try another medication. And I remember him saying so clearly, if this doesn't work, don't worry. We have plenty of other options. And I'm looking at him and I said, I don't have time for plenty of other options. (laughs) This podcast is supported by Starglow Media's Mysteries About True Histories. From the creators of the hit top-ranking kids educational podcast in the world, Who Smarted, the Emmy-nominated Nat Geo Disney Plus's Brain Games, and Netflix's Brainchild, comes Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as M-A-T-H, or math, in which kids ages six and up can hear humorous and educational stories that follow two best friends, Max and Molly, while they go on adventures through time solving puzzles, hidden equations, talking about history, and making learning cool. Episodes transport listeners to moments in history like Pythagoras' ancient Greece, the era of the Aztecs, Sir Isaac Newton's England, and more. When I drive my son to school in the morning, we listen to these episodes that fit perfectly in our commute, with the episodes being about 15 minutes long. And this podcast is right up my son's alley because he loves to solve problems and happens to love math and the types of punny jokes that Max likes to tell. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. There's not time for that. Every second hurts so bad, I won't make it for plenty of other options. Mm -hmm. And I I left there feeling so just kind of, you know, like beaten. Like it was just this nightmare. And so, you know, I tried another medication and it didn't work. Um, And every medication you have to give time for it to work. And so I would have the hope of like, you know, the next day I'm going to wake up and I'm going to feel a little better. And, and I didn't. Mm -hmm. And then I believe, you know, a few weeks later, I tried a different medication and it didn't work. And I'm sitting there and my family left to go back to Colorado and my husband's at work and I'm sitting there alone with Hunter and he was a sick baby. He, you know, he cried nonstop. He couldn't eat. He had projectile vomit yeah. and, and I'm sitting there and I was just like, I, I can't do this. I don't know how to do this. And everything started becoming so surreal. Uh-huh. And so, like I didn't know how to pick him up. I didn't know how to feed him. And, you know, everything was just out of control. And, you know, like I said before, every second was a year and there I was and, you know, just by myself with him. And we ended up hiring help. And 
I think that almost made it worse for me because I would see somebody else taking care of my baby. And I wasn't able to take care of my baby. And so finally, when Hunter was six weeks old, we started this mommy and me class at a place called the Mother's Haven. And everyone around went around the room and said, you know, what's going on with them and who they are and tell a little bit about themselves. And it got to me and I said, you know, I just want you all to know that I have really bad postpartum depression and I'm going to do my best in this class, but I'm really suffering. And everyone kind of just opened up and was warm and loving and we all became very close. But I left the class that day and the woman that owns a mother's haven came up to me and she said, there was a mom here that was suffering from postpartum depression too. Do you want her number? And I said, yes. Mm-hmm. And I went home and I remember getting on the call with her and it was so hard to even talk on the phone sometimes. Like I couldn't even function. I couldn't put a spoon to my mouth and not miss my mouth. It was just this overwhelming. It was so bad. So she told me about this doctor and said that, you know, he helped her. So I made an appointment with that doctor and I went to him and he is known to be a great PPD doctor and help people. However, he over medicates so I was on about 12 different medications at once, mm. at one point, oh. I think. And so I felt myself getting a little better with the depression, but I felt like I was also going to have a drug overdose at any moment. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And so anyways, <laughs> well, well, well. that went on for a couple of years. And so literally it was just me trying to do my best. And I, you know, I had a doula, you know, that helped at nights for a little bit and I had a nanny that helped a little bit. And then when my son reached a certain age, I looked around and I said, I need to do this by myself. And I didn't care anymore that I was in so much pain. I just wanted to be with my son. And I had so much guilt about, you know, the time I missed with him that I just wanted to do it by myself. And I think that's ultimately what helped me was being hyper-focused on him and getting out of the house with him and making sure I took care of him properly. Mm. You know. And how far along did you say was this point for you? A couple years? So I was on the heavy medication for probably three years, oh. but I did get rid of all possible help at actually four months. Oh, wow. That's yeah. very soon. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, so giving yourself kind of a, a mission on some level? I did, yeah. Okay. And did you have the help of a therapist during this time? I did. I had a therapist, and I found therapy so extremely hard to go to when you're in so much pain. Mm-hmm. Um, it was so hard to sit there and be in the state of panic and anxiety and just literally wanting to die. And sitting there and having to talk about what's going on with me. But I forced myself to go. And I forced myself to go to the psychologist, I think the psychiatrist once a week. Uh And I had a schedule. And I also did acupuncture. And I did chiropractor. And Uh my life literally became taking care of my son, making sure he got better because he was sick, and going to my appointments. Wow. That was it. I mean, you know, I hear at some level, I I don't know, you know, exactly what kind of pain you felt. I mean, all that you went through and all that you're describing is you were incapacitated on some level for uh, quite some time. Yeah. And then found this kind of thing to hold on to your mission to both heal him and heal yourself. And 
well, I like, you know, maybe on this end of it, since I didn't experience it, what I hear is just this unrelenting survival survivor and capacity to like fight. And you did. Yeah, I did. Thank you for saying that. I mean, it literally is like fight or flight. <laughs> you know? you're, you're literally, you're sitting there and you can't imagine living one more second and you're sitting there watching your son sick and going to all these appointments so he doesn't fall behind developmentally or anything. Mm-hmm. And you know what saved me, <laughs> which is strange, is my OCD. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, these are things I had in my head, things I had to do. Right. My OCD was telling me I had to do these things. And as painful as they were, I did them because I had to. But I like taking care of him and taking care of yourself and getting to appointments yeah. and like that. Yeah, I had to. And my brain was telling me I had to. And days that I had to stay in bed, there, I had my son to take care of. I didn't have any help. Mm-hmm. So, so I had to get up and take care of him. And, you know, like there were days where I said, I was like, someone has to take me to a hospital. I'm not going to make it through today. And I would put literally one foot in front of the other and somehow get through the day. Wow. And looking back at it, I don't know how I did it. Right. I, you know, it's hard to know. I mean, you listed a couple of things that probably helped kind of push you along. But, you know, unfortunately, as you know, the advocacy that you do now that some moms don't make mm-hmm. it. And it's heartbreaking. And there was something you know, for you that you were able to hold on to, to help you kind of get through day to day. Yeah. And you're able to make it through. Yeah. Sorry. I'm so, you know, I, I wish I had a magic wand. <laughs> I, yeah, you know, too. just, uh, it's just too bad that women have to suffer in this way. It's really not fair. Right. <laughs> it's not fair that we're giving this opportunity to have these beautiful babies and then we have to suffer and then deal with the stigma and the guilt that goes along with it. And, you know, it's very unfair. There's no words to describe the pain that goes along with it. And I really think that, you know, by making this movie, like it not only shed light, you know, on the subject for me, but I think, you know, we're hoping that it's going to help so many other women and to see that they're not alone and the stigma is out there, but you don't have to go along with that stigma. <laughs> no, right. Stigma is right. It's we're busting it right now. <laughs> yeah, exa- um, exactly. So for the documentary, at what point in your journey of healing did that story pick up? Because I think it seems like the documentary didn't show that first part of your story, like the pregnancy and birth. Yeah, we showed a video. The movie starts with a video of me finding out I'm pregnant. Mm -hmm. And it just so happens, like, I spent days going through old videos and footage of, you know, when my son was young and before he was born, you know, and all the pictures. And I'm so glad we had that because literally you see in my eyes that, like, I'm happy, but oh my God, like, Mm -hmm. here we go. Okay, I'm pregnant. You know, and and I kind of zone off in the camera a little bit. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that starts the journey. And, you know, the film is, it just shows not only my journey and my path to recovery, but so many other women's journeys ranging from baby blues to postpartum psychosis. And, you know, I'm just, I'm just so glad we made this film. It's an honor. And I actually think the film ended up saving my life. Yeah. We started filming when my son was two. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. And then I got on as producer and we started following my story when my son was six. 
Okay. So it's, it's been a long time in the making. Right. A long time in the making. And you, I mean, you're so, I just love that you, I don't know what your process was about like, Oh, you know, what you allowed in the film and not, but you know, from an audience perspective and a therapist perspective, which, you know, I'm coming from is that, you know, other women who see this or family members who see this, see some very raw and vulnerable and difficult things. Yeah. Um, but it's so important to see that because this is the reality for a lot of women. And, it, and you yeah. described that there is a spectrum. Some women have more mild symptoms and some women have very, very severe and life-threatening symptoms. Yes. I didn't not show anything. I showed every part that I could, including probably the hardest part for me to show in the film was me getting the TMS treatment. You know, you see me with this machine on my head and zapping my brain. Mm -hmm. And that was just not fun to watch afterwards. And that was the most painful thing I went through. Physically painful. It physically painful and mentally painful. And, you know, I think by showing that I was really worried about the stigma attached to that. And I had to get over it because when it comes down to it, this film isn't just about me. <laughs> it's about helping other women and showing the different treatment options. And Right. And for people who don't know that TMS is transmagnetic stimulation, and it is one of the treatment options available typically for if other treatment options haven't worked well or used in conjunction with other treatment. Right. If there's symptoms that are unremitting. Right. You know, really that type of stuff isn't necessarily talked about or shown and it's from the outside it seems like oh you know that's for I don't know whatever people use shorthand to make to have thoughts or ideas about other people's experience and like why I think it's so important for you to be sharing your story and yours specifically is because it was so intense for you and you were so open in the film about showing your treatment options with medication and EMDR and the TMS and Mm -hmm. other things that you used is, you know, sometimes, unfortunately, we have to try multiple things to see what works. But you, you are a story and your experiences that you did get through, and you worked very hard to do it. Yeah. And I think, you know, for anybody that has a history of depression, you know, if you're depressed person, you know, with a chemical imbalance, like for me, I'm never going to be good. (laughs) You know, like I'm always going to be struggling with depression. It's the way it is. And I've learned to live with that. If you like this show, there's a decent chance you'll also enjoy the Shameless Mom Academy. Hi, I'm Sarah Dean, the founder and host of the Shameless Mom Academy. The Shameless Mom Academy is a podcast for moms that centers moms more than it centers your kids. I'm not going to teach you how to make baby food or how to make your three-year-old or 13-year-old stop having tantrums. Instead, I'm going to bring you back to yourself. For the last 20 years, I've been helping moms through growth and transformation. Inside the Shameless Mom Academy, I help you identify who you are and who you are becoming. Look, motherhood is hard. It brought me to my knees many times and sometimes still does. Returning to who I am and who I am becoming allows me to decide how to show up in all those sticky motherhood moments, but also in all my other relationships and in all the ways I show up in my various communities. So come check out the Shameless Mom Academy wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm willing to bet you'll leave feeling a little inspired and maybe even completely fired up. And you'll probably laugh a few times because I promise we never take ourselves too seriously over here. With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) 
Well, you're aiming more of a, we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, Mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. That's not the case for everybody. If you don't have history of depression, you're not you know, you just get postpartum depression or, or a form of it, then you really have such an amazing chance of completely overcoming, of overcoming this and having this beautiful, wonderful life. That being said, I suffer from depression, OCD and anxiety, and I see myself as having a beautiful life as well. Because, because I do, you know, I put one foot in front of the other and I love my child and I love my life now. And on the moments that I am really struggling, I learn to kind of almost appreciate it and say, this is me and I'm doing everything I need to do to be okay. I love that. I mean, that like acceptance, self-acceptance and is so powerful. And it's not like resigning. You're not saying, no. well, I'm going to feel like this forever. And this is just no. what it is. You're saying this is part of who you are and you're, it sounds like working very actively to, you know, find ways to still feel connected to your life. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, it goes in steps. For so long, I couldn't imagine exercising. I was like, there's no way. Like, I want to drop my son off at school, come home, take a nap, lie around and get through the day and pick him up and, you know, like, just get through the day. And then last year, my son's eight years old. And just last year, I was like, you know what, I'm ready to go exercise now. Mm. And I now exercise every day. And it's been really helpful. And I push myself and, mm-hmm. you know, so like, it, everything doesn't have to happen all at once. You know, you do it in right. steps and you do what you need to do for you. Right. You know, what's right for you. And it's okay to have a bad day and go home and nap for a few hours. Take that time for yourself. Sure. Absolutely. I mean, this is, you know, so important for moms to hear because this is the stuff that in our own minds when we're struggling, it's like, you know, guilt, 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 shame, shame, shame. Yeah, you feel like a failure. Right. Yeah. So I like having these conversations and, you know, having people eavesdrop in on this to hear that all all of the possibilities and there's so, you know, so many different ways to be human and nobody has it just perfect and everything's fantastic all the time. And then there are some, you know, also some, it's on a spectrum. There are people who deal with stuff every day and who find ways to cope and manage. And that's, you know, that's what you're doing. Yeah. And I want to note that people, you know, we live in a Facebook society Uh, (laughs) and nobody posts the pictures of them having a bad moment or when they look bad or mm -hmm. their kid is having a meltdown or their Mm -hmm. kid's throwing up or they're depressed that day or they're fighting with their husband. You could be divorcing your husband and someone will post on Facebook, happy birthday to my wonderful husband. You know, it's just like the Facebook world doesn't exist. And so I really, (laughs) I really have learned that, you know, like, please, please, Mm -hmm. it's not real. There is no perfect person. There's no perfect family. There's no perfect child. Right. You know, like it's okay. We're all struggling and we're yeah. all trying to get through it. 
Yes, thank you. That's such an important message. And I think for anybody, not just those who are struggling with anything, it's just, it's a very unreal world. (laughs) It is, it is. I think because, you know, the film, the documentary itself, your story is featured in there. There are a lot of other people, including the celebrities who are in the film and talk about their experience. And I think speaking to this like social media culture and maybe even on some level, just like the feeling we have about celebrities and whatnot to be able to see people that we see sort of every day, you know, on film or TV or whatever, talking about very, very real stuff. Yeah. Yeah, So a little bit about the film, there's a couple of celebrities on there and it's narrated by Brooke Shields. It's narrated and executive produced by Brooke Shields. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, she is the pioneer of getting postpartum depression out into the public. So we're completely honored that she's a part of this film. Yeah, it's, it's really awesome. Yeah, in terms of celebrity, I feel like in my day and age anyway, she was one of the first celebrities to really talk about it publicly. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. So, and then Carney Wilson, who is one of probably one of the sweetest women I've ever met in my whole mm-hmm. life. She is so kind and she will do anything. And she believes in this film so much that she will just do anything to get the word out and spread awareness and share her story. And actually in the film, she shared information about her experience that she's never shared before in articles or anything. Mm-hmm. And then Artis Kara, who's a celebrity chef, who is just the sweetest little thing. She is. She's beautiful and bubbly yes. and wonderful and, and just, you know, so just every time I see her, she just puts a big smile on my face and yeah. she, in the film, she really connects, you know, she's just kind of like, she has a smile on her face while she's telling her story. And she's just like, when she explains like the moment that she started feeling better, you're just like smiling with her. Yeah. Yeah. So powerful. Yeah. So so powerful. Those are just a couple of the people in the film. There are lots of other, other people, some women who are very known in the maternal mental health world. Yeah. Uh, but anyhow, the, you know, there are a lot, a lot of stories in here. And I think that speak to a lot of different women's experience. Yeah. And I also hope, you know, we focus a lot on postpartum psychosis, because I, you know, that's another area that there's, you know, so much stigma about people think that they don't want to share their story, because they don't want to be seen as one of those women on the news that committed infanticide or suicide, you know, mm-hmm. and we want to put the human being to the psychosis stories. Yes. And that was such a big part of it. And, you know, Naomi Knowles is in our film and she was a very, very dear friend of mine. And her story is so powerful. And before I met her, I could never imagine being friends with somebody that went through what she went through. Yeah. And as I got to know her, I fell so in love with her and saw her as, you know, this wonderful person that was sick at the time. You know, it really like I said, it puts the human being to the story. And I really hope that, you know, people can learn from her story and the other, you know, psychosis stories in the film, as tragic as they are, you know. Yes. Yeah, I mean, that these experiences have to be told. And it's so hard to lose another mom to these illnesses. I'm just so thankful that you guys are putting this film out to give another voice and a big, big voice in a big way. So that, you know, hopefully we can, with this film and with the work that other people are doing in all these other organizations, really, you know, to prevent a loss of another mom, prevent the death of another mom. Let me tell you, if we can prevent one more death, then we did our job. 
Yeah. You know, it's so tragic. You know, when I look at the news, you know, some mornings when you wake up and you get a news story and you're just like, Mm -hmm. how, like we have to, you know, my partner and I, Jamie Lynn, we we say, we have to get this film out tomorrow. Like, like we can't wait any longer. We have to get this out. We have to, you know, help save lives. And, you know, it's time for us to just kind of like, let's educate, let's get this out there. Let's, you know. Because this is with the proper treatment and proper like support and monitoring all this is like manageable and or preventable on some, you know, on some level, like moms do not have to be suffering. We can, as a society and a community, treat moms with more and give them more support and with more respect for the transition into motherhood and families and and all that stuff. So, oh, yeah, sounds like we both have the same soapbox. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah um, exactly. And passion, really. But yeah. so I want to direct people to the Facebook page for the film, When the Bow Breaks film Facebook page. Yes. The trailer for the film can also be found on YouTube, When the Bow Breaks. I also want to mention that there are other pages for When the Bow Breaks. So it's When the Bow Breaks, a documentary about postpartum depression when you type it into Facebook. Perfect. Yeah. I mean, we're 2016 right now. It just so happens that there's another film out that is also called When the Bell Breaks. And that is like, a, you know, it's not about postpartum depression. It's, no, it's a horror film. <laughs> yeah. So when you guys are looking to find information on When the Bell Breaks, make sure to put in there a documentary about postpartum depression. There are two very different films. But I, I really want to direct people to that. And then suing on that on your website, when the bow breaks film.com, mm-hmm. you guys will be putting up release dates and where people can find the showings for the film. Yes, yes, a couple of things we post on Facebook often we post other people's stories, we post news articles, mm-hmm. we give updates on the film. We also on the website for when the bow breaks film.com. We ask for people to sign up to get updates on the film, you put in your email address. And as soon as we get updates, we will send you the information and we should have information very, very soon on its release. Right. And I will like personally suggest that anybody who works with mothers during pregnancy or postpartum on any capacity could be a therapist, OB, pediatrician, nurses, doulas, midwives, anyone who comes into contact and has helped is part of the treatment team for a mom, please watch this film. I mean, and dads and grandmothers and cousins and best friends. And, you know, it's it's really for everybody because you never know who you're going to come in contact with that you can have. Right. And just, you know, as documentaries can be, some of the stuff that's in the film is very difficult and hard, but that's why we need to be aware of it. Because I think when things are difficult and hard, we tend to shy away, which, you know, Mm -hmm. it's a natural response to want to protect yourself from things that feel difficult, Like if you're a mom who is in the throes of dealing with this and would, you know, you would feel too sensitive to watch this film, fine, don't watch it right now. But, you know, just know that this resource is here. And that's how I view it. It's a resource for knowledge and for spreading the word about stuff that we should. Right, right. And that being said, if you're struggling, maybe have your husband or friends or family watch the film so they can help. Right. Yeah. And if any of you who are listening today are struggling or worried or concerned that you yourself or a family member might be dealing with something, there are lots of resources. I'll direct you to PSI, which is postpartum.net to get connected with a therapist in your community or resources in your community. There is help. And there's a lot, there are a lot of great and warm and supporting people in the PSI warm line who will help you through. Postpartum progress is another good avenue for support. Or just typing like, you know, into Google postpartum depression support or therapist to find something that's local to you. But 
CSI is a good resource to get connected to, to get information and to be connected to support. Yeah, and PSI Postpartum Support International has a warm line that you can call, leave a message, and and volunteer will call you back and help you with any questions you have. They can help you find a support group in your area, help you find a doctor in your area, and just kind of talk you through what you're going through. Absolutely. All right. Thank you so much, Lindsay, for coming on and sharing your story and being such an awesome advocate and, you know, being willing to put yourself out there to help so many people. Thank you so much. I just want to add one more thing is that like, if you're struggling, I promise you, you are not alone. You're not the only person that's gone through this. It's painful right now, but you will be okay. You just have to keep going, put one foot in front of the other. And I promise it will get better. Just keep going. Yes. Yes. Thank you for that. Do it. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much. By joining us today and listening, you're a part of the growing community of people who are aware and concerned for mothers and families during this beautiful and sometimes very difficult time of life. Please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review this free podcast so that Mom and Mind can be found by moms, families, and providers who will benefit from hearing our talks. If you or someone you know is having a hard time, help is available. Please look for resources for help at momandmind.com where you will also find links and information from today's episode. Thank you for listening and being a part of the Mom and Mind community. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask-Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.